This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, January 23rd, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. It's not as easy as partisans might hope to play up or down the discovery of classified documents in the home and office of former Vice President, now President, Joe Biden, relative to the large cache of classified documents in the home and office of former President Donald Trump. So what are the differences and similarities between these cases and what legal jeopardy attaches to those circumstances? Cato's Pat Eddington comments. When we talk about the differences here, there's a difference in terms of quantity. Mr. Trump made off with virtual truckloads uh, of classified material, um, boxes and boxes and boxes of it. Uh, And uh, he and perhaps other people around him uh, were not terribly cooperative uh, with the National Archives and the Federal Bureau of Investigation in the process, which is why we have a special counsel, um, you know, looking into that. Having said that, uh, these documents that were found in two different locations in the case of Mr. Biden, uh, his uh, former, you know, Penn Biden Center think tank, and even more troublingly in his garage, uh, in his Delaware home, um, this is material that appears to date essentially from the Obama-Biden administration uh, as as far as we know. So this material, at least at at his home, almost certainly was there uh, for literally years. Now, allegedly, uh, we're not talking about nearly as much in terms of quantity, and we may not be talking about as much uh, in in terms of classification level. Um, You know, I'm not sure that we have any top secret sensitive compartmented information that's been implicated uh, in Biden's document gate, as I'm calling it. But um, the similarities here are that you you have two guys that have held the highest office in the land who both had classified material in their possession when they were not supposed to have classified material in their possession. You know, once Biden left office as vice president, he was out of government. Um, so, you know, this is... Um, this is more than I think what a lot of folks on the left, uh, particularly a lot of congressional Democrats, are are trying to you know make this. Uh, there's there's a there there, and I think it is to Garland, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland's credit, you know that he has appointed Robert Hur, uh, you know former uh, Justice Department U.S. Attorney, uh, to oversee this matter. Um, Her, as folks may or may not know, was actually a Trump appointee. And I think that that also helps in terms of trying to take the the, the political angle of this out. But if Mr. Herr comes back with basically a conclusion that these documents were improperly removed, which they which I think they clearly were, and he comes back with a further finding, you know, that there was some level of intent there, either on Mr. Biden's part or the part of the staff that was working with him. Um, you know, that's going to create a political problem. What it does not create, um, at least at this point, is any kind of actual legal jeopardy for Mr. Biden. And that is a key difference in these two cases. You know, Mr. Trump, uh, as a private citizen, absolutely facing multiple uh, potential criminal charges here uh, for the removal of that material. Mr. Biden, as a result of a 50-year-old Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel opinion, does not face any prospect uh, of indictment, much less prosecution, unless unless the attorney general were to make a decision otherwise. And of course, he has the ability to overrule the Office of Legal Counsel and, and basically 
you know, waive that opinion or say that it, he does not find it to be dispositive here, et cetera, et cetera. I would, I would be surprised if he did that. If, however, Mr. Hur comes back with a, with a belief that folks ought to be indicted in this, uh, and Mr. Biden is actually implicated, and the attorney general were to waive that opinion, it would make Merrick Garland, in my judgment, the greatest attorney general in American history. <laughs> Uh, for for being willing to to literally you know hang his own president out to dry, I I just tend to doubt that that's necessarily going to happen here. But we are very early, you know, in this process. Um, and I would also think that that it's important to point out here that Biden and his people uh, knew about this material about a week before the midterm elections, uh, and there was no there was no surfacing of that information. Uh, in November. And I think that definitely smells as well. So we'll see where this ends up, but it doesn't look good uh, for Mr. Biden in any event. Yeah, I asked you to characterize the similarities and the differences because it seems uh, that while a lot of people on the GOP side, or we'll just say Trump defenders, would like to say, well, this was this was what Mr. Trump did. It's no big deal. And if he did do it, he had a standing order to declassify all these documents anytime they left the uh, Oval Office. And anyway, this was all planted. Right. And, uh, you know, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a weird set of uh, arguments yep. that don't match up. But it's also odd now to see uh, Democrats in a position to say, well, this <laughs> is no big deal. This here, this is totally different. This is what you call no big deal. And I just think that it is uh, unfortunate that that's the impulse. Yep. Uh, and th there, se there seem to be very few uh, partisans willing to say in both cases, yeah, this is a big deal. Yeah, and, and I, I think that is exactly right. And the, and the problem, of course, that, that we have here is that any other run-of-the-mill federal employee uh, whether they're a senior executive service person or all the way down to the GS 11 or 12 level, any employee who had done anything like that would already have been arraigned. <laughs> uh, the charges would have been filed. And of course, Mr. Herr actually prosecuted uh, during his tenure. He prosecuted two of the most prominent cases, uh, both involved the National Security Agency. Uh, in one case, uh, one person was an actual employee. Another person was a contractor. But those folks literally took home, you know, just a ton of, of classified material from NSA. And of course, when you start talking about signals intelligence uh, and that, you know, that's that's radically sensitive stuff. You know, even the even the material that's classified secret is, is pretty sensitive. When you get above that level, you're really talking about potentially, you know, compromising NSA's ability to actually uh, pick up conversations by by bad actors. Uh, and those folks, you know, have gone away for multiple years and and I think that's my objection, you know, to the entire system of justice that we have right now, such as it is, you know, the the political class, uh, you know, there's they're held to one standard, right, uh, and everybody else is held to another. I, I think back to you know Sandy Berger, Sandy Berger, Clinton's national security advisor, gets caught red-handed, or in this case, sock-handed, uh, as he was stuffing documents into his socks to try to get them out of the National Archives because they were embarrassing to the Clinton administration with respect to how they failed to take out Al Qaeda before 9-11. And then, of course, we have uh, former General David Petraeus, uh, who gave a lot of uh, top secret material to his mistress at the time, because she was writing a- Mistress and biographer. Let's not forget yes, that. Yes, yes, his mistress biographer. That's right. Um, so she would basically, you know, pad his resume, so to speak. Um, and what does Petraeus get? You know, no jail time. Uh, Burger, no jail time, right? So, 
this is the double standard we have when it comes to this kind of stuff. And, and others, you know, have been pointing out that, and I co- and I totally agree. Our classification system is a train wreck. Um, all kinds of stuff gets overclassified all the time. We we need to have a complete reevaluation of that system. And I don't think you let the executive branch do that by itself. I mean, the, letting the executive branch do it by itself is how we got to this point, essentially. Um, so this is something that Congress ultimately needs to weigh in on. Now, whether we have enough adults in Congress at this point to take on the problem, that's a whole separate question. But I, I definitely think that um, taking a look at the whole issue of overclassification um, that that's something that I would hope would would come out of this. But the plain fact of the matter is anything that that's generally stamped top secret, especially if it's top secret sensitive compartment information, TSSCI, uh, or human control channels, uh, HCS, that is among the most sensitive stuff in our government. Uh, and, and the compromise of that is something uh, that should not be tolerated. And especially by by folks at the very top of the pyramid. Uh, political pyramid. That just should not be happening. So uh, let me uh, ask one question that is related to all this, but maybe not super related, which is there is a problem of overclassification of documents within the federal government, but I have to think that documents that end up in the hands of the president or the vice president might rise to a level of yeah, this is probably legitimately classified. Uh, that's almost invariably the case, you know, especially when you talk about things like the presidential daily brief or the PDB, where oftentimes extremely sensitive snippets uh, of human intelligence or signals intelligence, you know, will be in there uh, uh, as an FYI uh, for the president or the vice president. Uh, and it can, you know, deal with foreign relations. It can it can deal with espionage. It can deal with any number of things. So you're absolutely right. You know, when it gets to the top of the pyramid like that, um, that is when you were talking about things that if they are compromised, can get people killed or lead to losses of signals intelligence channels that might otherwise have continued to be available to the NSA. So let's uh, assume the worst. Uh, in in both of these cases, we have... Uh, information that absolutely should not be in the hands of anyone who is uh, not actively working in the field or the president or the vice president. Um, What should happen? Well, in Mr. Trump's case, uh, he could very easily end up going to jail, assuming, of course, he's actually charged and assuming they can actually go through Wadir and find 12 people who will claim credibly uh, that they would they would deliver uh, a completely impartial verdict. Uh, so he faces real culpability here, uh, potentially. In, in Mr. Biden's case, you know, again, unless the attorney general were to overrule the Office of Legal Counsel opinion that we talked about earlier, um, the worst that's probably going to happen to Joe Biden is he's going to take a hit for this politically. Now, the question is, um, what about other people that might have been involved in helping Biden get that information uh, you know, to his residence, to the the Penn Biden Center, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they're not going to be shielded by, by any Office of Legal Counsel opinion. So anybody else who had any knowledge of that, um, uh, and especially if they had knowledge of it dating back to the time that those documents made their way to his residence uh, in Delaware, they could face some very, very serious uh, legal jeopardy as well. So I think that's kind of the the state of play right now. And of course, you know, uh, our, our friends on the Republican side are already gearing up, you know, to try to investigate this. Uh, I'm sure the subpoenas will flow and and so on and so forth. 
So there'll, there'll be a, a bona fide three ring circus here. But I, I think for me, what I worry about um, is this ultimately, you know, clouding the magnitude of what Mr. Trump did uh, and, and making, you know, trying to draw like parallels here, folks on, on the Republican side, trying to draw parallels here. And as you said earlier, you know, try to convince people that, well, they, they both do it. Therefore, you know, nobody should really face any consequence here. I think that would be a horrible outcome. Uh, but the, the waters are definitely muddied now because of what Mr. Biden did. And I was going to ask this at the outset, but I think it's worth, uh, understanding a little better. The, uh, National Archives made several good faith efforts to recover the material from uh, Mar-a-Lago, the the classified material. Is there any evidence that the uh, National Archives made a similar attempt during the four years in which Joe Biden was a private citizen? At this point, I don't think that we can really answer that question. Um, We haven't seen anything surface thus far in the press. Um, to suggest that's the case, I, I'm not aware of any leak out of the Department of Justice saying, "Oh yeah, by the way," <laughs> uh, or anybody from the National Archives saying, "Yeah, actually, we just found a memo uh, from uh, 2018." Um, so we haven't seen anything like that surface yet. But again, we are very early in this process, and I'm sure that Mr. Herr will be turning over pretty much every stone that he can find uh, to figure out just exactly, you know, what the chain of custody was to the extent there was a chain of custody for that material that made its way to uh, to Mr. Biden's residence in Delaware and also to the Penn-Biden Center. Pat Eddington is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Feel free to both subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.